Hi, and welcome to the Sales Enablement Pro Podcast. I'm Shauna Simawang. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so that they can be more effective in their jobs. Today, I'm excited to have Michelle join us. Michelle, I would love for you to introduce yourself, your role, and your organization to our audience. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be with you today. Yep, Michelle Anthony. I'm the Chief Revenue Officer here at Lee Hecht Harrison, uh, known as LHH, and um, we're part of the ADECO group. Um, and what we do is we help organizations transform their workforces. Historically, LHH has been known as a career transition or outplacement business. Um, but what we have found more and more is that organizations are looking to transform their workforces to be future-proof or, or ready for the workforce that they need for the future. So we've been doing a lot of work um, to assist organizations in developing new skill sets and new leadership profiles that they need um, to have the right talent to match their business strategy um, going forward. So uh, we've been transforming um, as we've been helping our clients transform. And as the chief revenue officer, I have the pleasure of looking after both sales and marketing globally here at LHH. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for making the time with us today. You know, you have a wide range of experience leading teams across the business. And as you mentioned, um, currently you're leading both sales and marketing. I'd love to hear from you, Michelle. How has this experience in many types of revenue-facing roles really helped set you up for success as a revenue leader yourself? Yeah, thanks for the question. I, I've enjoyed a lot of uh, variety in my career, both um, in sales leadership and in marketing leadership. And I think being client-centric and being grounded and serving the needs of clients is you know, really at the heart of good marketing and at the heart of good sales um, you know, performance. And I think that's what unites us um, as functions. And that's really where we have a lot of common ground. Also, you know, I've been in my career, my formative days as a marketer, my first decade as a marketer was at Dell um, many moons ago. And we were really, really focused not only on meeting client needs, but also really having a revenue generating mindset. And so that you know, that really shaped my thinking as a marketer. So I've always been exceptionally close to clients and exceptionally close to the sales team, even in marketing roles. And I've always considered marketing in many ways to be an extension of the sales team. So that sales and marketing divide that, that many people experience or talk about or write about, um, I actually, my experience has been quite the opposite. I've always felt that, um, you know, we've been one team, one sort of go to market team is sort of the framework that I've always operated under and was sort of trained under from a very, very early stage. So that's sort of how I approach things here at LHH. And, um, you know, I think we've been able to grow the team um, and, and grow revenue as a result. 
Well, that's fantastic. And and I, I think you absolutely have the ideal set up, right? Um, you've also said in the past that you believe sales and marketing have a joint responsibility to deliver value to clients. So what are some of your best practices really to create alignment between sales and marketing so that they can do exactly that? Yeah, I think, you know, when we're at our best, right, we're co-creating with our clients and, you know, we're, we're uncovering those needs and, and it's those, those needs that our clients have that are informing things like our product strategy and our product roadmap. They're informing our editorial calendar, our thought leadership calendar, our campaign calendar from a marketing standpoint so that our content that we're putting out is topical and relevant and adds value to our clients. And it then arms our sellers, right? It arms our sales force with things that are adding value and that are relevant so that they're showing up in a way um, that is adding value and that is trusted um, and helping them build that trust with clients. So it's that dialogue um, and, and some things that we've done to help sort of facilitate that, that co-creation with our clients. Um, we've established a client advisory board I know a lot of organizations do this um, with some of our, you know, our biggest clients, some of our best clients um, and some prospects as well. So that we can really have, you know, a, a good sensing ear for what is really going on. What are their, you know, most pressing needs? What are some of the future sensing needs um, that we can, you know, be in front of and help them solve so that we can institutionalize that internally all the way from product development, all the way down through sales enablement. Um, so that that has really been, you know, one of the things that's added a lot of value across the organization um, for us. I think that's fantastic. Now, I want to pivot back to what you were talking about with regard to LHH um, and, you know, kind of how you guys are helping organizations, you know, really build a workforce for the future. Um, and you recently also wrote an article where you said companies should focus on lifelong employability, um, you know, because as you said, technology innovations continue to create this gap between the skills a company needs and the skills that the workforce of today possesses. So I'd love to understand from you, how can leaders shift their mindset and really think about helping to develop employees internally? Yeah, thanks for the question. It's so timely and topical right now. As you mentioned, it's a bit of a perfect storm, isn't it? Um, that's been accelerated by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, we're in a world where things um, have been, you know, massively, you know, undergoing digitalization with, you know, the prominence of artificial intelligence that have only been accelerated because of, you know, the virtual nature that we're living and working in now with the pandemic. And as a result, we've got um, some critical skill gaps in the market. We haven't been able to reskill and retrain the talent fast enough, and we have an aging workforce, um, and we're not able demographically in many countries and many markets to refill the supply of talent at a fast enough rate. And so you sort of bring all of these things together, all of these macro trends together, and you kind of have this perfect storm where you have this critical um, shortage of skills that are needed 
to do the jobs of the future. And as a result, sort of what got you here won't get you there, right? The old hiring and firing practices won't get you the workforce that you need because those jobs, those can't be filled, right? With, with talent readily available on the market because the skills don't exist in enough supply. And so what you need to do is you need to look from within. And that's what the most progressive companies have realized. That's what the most pro progressive clients that we work with today are doing. They're looking from within um, and they are retraining and reskilling um, their own employees to fit you know, these critical roles that they know that they're gonna need to be a viable business in the future. So we've, we've worked um, with several large organizations, but I'll just take a large financial services client that we're working with today, um, where we have um, assisted them in essentially identifying populations um, of individuals that have the aptitude to be reskilled um, we also have diagnostics where we can help them predict which jobs are likely to change in skill composition and skill profile in the future, five years out, 10 years out. So what does your workforce look like today? What should your workforce look like five years from now, 10 years from now? What are the pools of talent that have the aptitude and are likely to be successful in a reskilling intervention? And then what is the reskilling intervention that's needed? ultimately in order to place those individuals in those future focused roles. So that is the work that we're doing actively um, with clients. Um, and so the, the financial services firm um, that I was referring to, um, you know, one of the examples that I think is, is really cool is that, you know, insurance firms no longer need a lot of actuaries because a lot of that work has been automated. Um, through AI, but you know, we found out through doing this work in partnership with them that actuaries, you know, tend to be really great uh, data security, you know, workers. So they're very successful in those reskilling interventions. And it turns out, you know, large financial services or insurance um, providers, they they do need a lot of data security um, talent in their future workforce. And so that's just one example of how we're working with clients to develop uh, employees internally to be fit for the future. I think that's amazing. Now, uh, you you talked about how retraining is important, but but on its own, it's not enough to keep employees agile. And sales enablement is often very involved in, in training and professional development efforts. So how can sales enablement practitioners take those efforts a step further to really help drive retention? Yeah, it's so important, isn't it, um, in terms of, of enablement and, and retention. And what we're finding right now is that it's, it's really agility. Uh, and empathy that tend to be the softer skills that are really leading to higher engagement and higher retention rates, especially given, I think, the COVID-19 fatigue. I think we've all pivoted and we're all, you know, working virtually in this new world and no one really knows, you know, what normal is going to be, what the new normal is going to be. Um, and everyone's a bit fatigued um, 
you know, based on, you know, Zoom fatigue or Teams fatigue, you know, whatever your virtual medium is. And so what we have found and some of the research that we have done, uh, again, in partnership with some of our clients, is that team uh, empathy and team resilience is stronger. It, it, it retains better and it has higher engagement and performs stronger than individual resilience um, and empathy. And so um, what we have done is produced um, an article that's out on LinkedIn um, that was actually um, co-authored with Keith Ferrazzi and our chief innovation and product officer, Mary Claire Race, and published in Harvard Business Review. And it has some tips on how do you build team resilience, because that's ultimately what drives engagement and retention. And one of the coolest tips in that article is basically your team huddle or your team meeting that you may have, you know, on a weekly basis or a biweekly basis, or I know some sales teams even have huddle up on a daily basis. Um, one of the coolest things that you can do to build some team resilience is just to do a quick temperature check at the beginning of every meeting and say, hey, on a scale of one to five today, how's your energy? Are you a one? Are you all the way up at a five? And what's driving that? And it just surfaces some really honest and open and safe conversations. And it builds some of that more emotive, more human connection. And is really powerful, I think, especially for folks who maybe aren't naturally empathetic leaders, um, because empathy is more of a behavior, I think, than a skill for some folks. And so that is just a quick tip, just a real you know, bit of practical advice that will build empathy and ultimately will build resilience and engagement in your team that will lead to higher retention. And so perhaps maybe give that a try. I think that's fantastic. Now, one of the things that sales enablement um, is often faced with is, is is working with frontline managers, right? Because they are often kind of the daily interaction or, or daily point of of contact into kind of a lot of the folks on the front line. And so it's really important to be able to work with frontline managers in order to be able to drive that agility and that empathy that you're just talking about. How can sales enablement help set managers up for success in empowering lifelong learning amongst their own teams? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I know one we talk about uh, as a sales leadership team, you know, here at LHH and within the ADECO group. And um, we institutionalized a couple of things at our sales kickoff in early February this year that we're giving a try um, this year, because I think so much of the learning uh, journey and the learning, you know, burden, let's say, um, falls on the frontline manager, the first line manager. And so we were trying to institutionalize a couple of other things to see if that would help um, increase um, appetite for learning and sort of the stickiness uh, of the things um, that we were trying to, you know, to get adoption on, right, um, within the entire sales organization. And so the first thing we did was just to try to, to instill this concept of having a growth mindset and that that all of us are always learning all the time. Like you're never too old to learn, you know, uh, new tricks. And so we had a, an artist come in. Um, most of us in the professional working world probably think we're not very good artists. Uh, I, at least I know I'm sort of someone who only can draw a stick figure. 
And so we had someone who, who came in to our virtual, you know, global sales conference and taught us all, all how to draw cartoon characters. And by the end of the session, we all had these amazing drawings that we shared socially and uh, we all really enjoyed seeing everyone else's work. And we were all like, oh my gosh, we, we totally can learn something new. So whether it's cooking or drawing or I don't know, I think coming together in a new way and, and say, you know, just having that sort of aha moment, which is like, oh my gosh, I actually can learn something new, I think is important to, to adopt that learning mindset or growth mindset. And then the second thing that we did is we put um, teams together. We put sellers together, not in their nucleus team, you know, not in their you know, normal sales team. We built some, you know, cross uh, borders, you know, cross-functional teams, and we built these learning cohorts. And so folks are in their cohorts of six to eight people for the remainder of the year this year. And every month we have a, a new learning module, whether they're learning about a new product or practicing a, a specific sales skill um, or working on, you know, prospecting techniques, you know, you name it. Um, they go and then practice that skill uh, with a couple of dedicated 30-minute slots each month with their cohort in a very safe space. So rather than all of that learning burden sort of sitting with the frontline manager directly, they're learning from one another in these cohorts. So it's an experiment to be sure. I can let you know, maybe if we do a podcast again at the end of the year or this time next year, how that experiment is going. But we're hoping that the peer-to-peer -peer learning will help institutionalize some of our um, learning objectives this year. I love that. And and yes, I would love to have you back to tell us how it's gone. So M Michelle, I've really, I've really learned a, a lot in this, in this interview. Um, so I want to, I want to, close though with a question kind of circling back to something that you you said around the importance of resilience um and I, I would love to just kind of close out understanding how can leaders help to basically fuel employees motivation and remove the obstacles that are, are really draining the energy um or or contributing to to burnout for them yeah yeah i know we're all feeling it aren't we um and i think we all have good days and bad days um, I know I, I speak for myself and I certainly my two teenage daughters that I've been working alongside as they've been homeschooling this past year. I, I think it really does come down to empathy at the core, uh, especially as leaders. And I have found that I've, I've had to put on my calendar as a reminder to make sure, you know, whether it's a team you know, meeting, whether it's one-on-ones, that I'm creating time and space just to check in and ask people how they're doing. And not like, how is work going? But like, how are you doing? Like, how is life? How are things going for you? And what can I do to help? What is it that you, that you need from me? And, and amazing conversations, amazing things surface. People are dealing with a lot of stuff you know, right now as a result, um, you know, of the pandemic. And so I have had to reach out and help, you know, my colleagues, my teammates in, in different ways as a leader than I ever have had to in the past. Um, you know, what, just one example, you know, I have a, um, 
a, a direct report who, uh, you know, who lives alone. Um, and I think just having, you know, not having that social interaction, not having for months on end, when we were in the early days of lockdown, like that daily coffee, you know, run that provided some, you know, social interaction was, that was really critical to her. Um, I, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I need to send, you know, this person some of her favorite cold brew, <laughs> you know, or, so, you know, I need to do something different in kind. I need to, to make sure that, you know, this person knows that, that they're needed and valued and, you know, part of this team and part of this community that we have here. We're all part of different communities and making people feel valued and appreciated for the work that they're doing as part of this community is really important. So I think that empathy is needed from our team, you know, now, you know, more than ever. So I think just listening, honestly, just listening and responding on a human level is, is the best thing that we can be doing. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Michelle, for the time today. You bet. Happy to do it. Thanks again for having me. I had a lot of fun. To our audience, thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. If there's something you'd like to share or a topic you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.